Thanks, Pastor Stevie. Well, good morning. Oh, that was much better than first service. Yeah, man. <laughs> they were like, uh. <laughs> yeah, you're here. I'm glad you're here. If you're here again for the first time, thank you so much for being here. Um, can I teach today? Is that cool? All right, I'll let the young bucks preach. Well, I'm getting old. I'm 50. Um, yeah. So, yeah, here's the deal. I've been in ministry longer than I've actually been not in ministry, like 30 years. We had 30 years of full-time ministry um, last month, and I'm tired. It's like I'm taking care of all these sheep all the time, and I'm just tired. So thank you for being into the message this morning. Amen. I appreciate it, but I love it. I love what I do, and I love having our staff that can yell and scream at you, and then I can be like, it's okay. They didn't really mean it. Well, they did, but I'm here. You know, it's kind of like the co-parenting thing, like I'm the good one. I get to be the good pastor. So we have good pastor, bad pastor. That's where we play that game. They get a yell and scream, and I just get to love you into the kingdom of God. so I want to I would talk to you today out of the book of Joshua, chapter 10. Um, we have been going through the whole book of Joshua verse by verse. And uh, I started off with my wife preaching on Jericho. And I thought, man, let's just go through it. So my, my wife, my babe, my babe started something. I thought, let's just go through the book or at least the, the big events of the book. So if you haven't been a part of it, um, I got to bring you up to speed as to where we are and why we're going to talk about the thing we're talking about today in chapter 10. So going back a long ways, uh, the Israelites, because most people know who Charlton Heston is, right? And, you know, so the Moses, all right? Um, And the story started out with the Egyptians holding the Israelites captive, okay, for about 400 years in the land of Egypt. Moses gets risen up to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. So that's happened. God says, I have this promised land called Canaan I want to give you. And they get to close to Canaan, and they're like, we can't go in. So a four or five-day journey turned into a 40-year wandering in the desert because they lacked the faith. Like God says, you can have it, and they're just like, it's too scary. There's giants. We can't do this. And so God says, well, because of your disobedience, you're going to wander for 40 years till you all die off. And then when your kids grow up, that's when they're going to get the land. So Joshua becomes the leader, and, uh, and the second generation has now gone into the promised land, but they have to fight to get it. Uh, God says, I'm giving it to you, but you have to fight. And most of you know the story of Jericho, where the walls come down. The next city is Ai, which they got beat the first time because they had some hidden sin that they needed to deal with. Um, they got it right, and then Ai was defeated. And now God says, I want you to go through the land of Canaan and destroy the wickedness, because Canaan was full of, of just immoral evil, evil people. And God says, I want you to wipe everybody out. I mean, men, women, and children. And we have a hard time like going, well, that kind of sounds mean, but God's God. He can do what he wants, right? Evil, evil has to be dealt with. And if you don't deal with evil, it just spreads. It's just like a cancer. Okay. So God's like, you just need to wipe out all these cities because they are not going to serve me. They're just going to spread their cancer of sin. And so that's what's happening here. Uh, and so the last time I talked to you, chapter 9, we talked about this, this city called Gibeon. And the Gibeonites, it says that they had heard about the things that God did. They knew about the Red Sea parting. They knew about uh, Pharaoh and, and his army getting destroyed by this God that they kind of believed in but didn't follow. And, and Gibeon's like, you know what? 
We heard what God told the Israelites to do, and that's to go throughout this land and kill everybody. So we're going to make this plan. So in chapter 9, they, they, they went to Israel, and they like, we've come from a long, long journey. Like our, their clothes are all ripped, and everything is worn out. And they pretended to be a long ways away when they only lived a three days walk. All right? So they had this deception thing going, and they talked Joshua into making a deal with him. Like, they, we know you're supposed to kill us, but we just want to make a deal with you that you'll protect us and that we'll serve you. And so they deceived him, and then they gave him their word, and then they found out that they're only a three days journey away. And so they sent this delegation after him going, why did you deceive us? And basically like, well, we didn't want to die, but you made us a promise. A lot of the Israelites were not happy about this. A lot of the Israelites wanted to go kill Gibeon. All right. And they're like, Joshua, why did you make a deal here? Okay. And we talked about the deception of the deal. And so that's where we are today. The Gibeon now has decided to follow this, this either God of Israel or the people with God. Uh, and we're going to just make this deal with you. And now they're going to get attacked. Okay. So now they're going to call upon the people they just made a deal with. And so, uh, many guys, so that's where we are. And, and what we've been learning is that to take possession of what God has promised you often takes work. Like God doesn't just give you stuff, okay? He's not the 20th century parent or 21st century parent that just gives their kids everything. Uh, you know, God's like, you can have a phone, but you've got to pay your own bill, okay? And, you know, there's still a lot of help wanted signs around here, which still puzzles me because there's a lot of teenagers that still need to be working. And they're, they're, they don't feel the need because you're paying all their bills for them. Don't just keep taking the milk if you don't make them buy the cow, right? We, our kids, our, our young people need to work. They need to work. They need to get jobs. They need to know the value of a dollar. Um, so anyway, that wasn't even in my message, but some of, some of y'all needed to hear that because that's just good preaching, right? Right? Hardship has made you who you are, and that's why your kids need to go through hardship as well. So the Gibeonites hear, heard what God commanded. Instead of fighting it, they actually believed it and they acted on it. You see, it's one thing to believe something. It's another to act on it. I can believe it, but I have to act on it. And they did this. And this really is a picture of Christianity. Uh, the Gibeonites came to understand that they were in big trouble if they let things stay as they were. And they continued to live their life the way they were living it. Think about the moment you've given your life to Christ. You know, I was going to guess most of you did not grow up in the church, uh, but you had this moment where you were just living your life and you had this, you heard a, a message about Jesus and about forgiveness of sin and heaven and hell. And that if you continued to live for the devil, that's where you would spend eternity with. But you heard about the cross and you heard about what Jesus did on the cross and you accepted it. Well, your life changed. You went from light to darkness. And that's really the picture of what the Gibeonites did. Okay, the epiphany of the consequences of doing your own thing. The light bulb came on in the Gibeonites and they're like, we really need to follow this God or at least make a partner with them because we don't want to die. Many people don't know they're lost. And that's why the truth is so important. That's why pastors need to preach the truth of the word of God out of a loving heart. Okay, but they, the, the truth of God needs to be preached. When I was a, a young pastor... Very young pastor. I started when I was 20. I graduated college when I was 20 and went into full-time ministry, and then school started. <laughs> they didn't teach you nothing in Bible college that you need. Um, because you graduate, you're like, man, the world's waiting for my ministry. <laughs> like, no, people are waiting to destroy you, um, you know, chew you up, spit you up. Well, I preached this message as a youth pastor, and, and in it, I, I talked about living in fornication. And I, and I said, like, if you're living in fornication, you're, you're sleeping with each other, and you're not married, you're living in sin, and then I, I, I always correct that. It's, it's not the sleeping that gets you in trouble, it's what you're doing when you're awake. 
Okay? And so, so if you're having sex and you're not married, that's a sin. And I was preaching on this, and it's still true. All right, God has a plan, and his plan's good. And, and so after church, I had this couple come up to me, and they were mad. Like, I can't believe you said that. And I'm like, well, why? She said, because we invited a couple, and they're living together, and now they may never come back to church. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I just was preaching the word of God, you know. And they were angry. So I called my pastor. I said, Pastor, here's the situation. Here's what he said. People have to know they're lost. It's like, don't apologize for it. Like, you, don't, you didn't have them stand up, right? I mean, he didn't say that. I added that. Those living in sin stand up. Okay, that would be wrong. That'd be awkward. I'm sure you would come back next week. Yeah, that's us. Uh, like Pastor Stevie, I, I know I grew up in a small country church, and here's what they used to do with visitors. They may grow up in a church where they're like, if you're a visitor, just stand up. And yeah. Isn't that terrible? It's like, who would think of that, right? That's horrible. So if you're not a visitor, go and stand up, and the visitors can raise seat, and then we'll know who you are. I, I, I'm thinking now, man, that's a terrible idea. You're, you're brand new. Stand up and tell us where you are. And then you get the talkers that do it. They're like, they're happy to stand up and tell you their whole life story. They're like, okay, shut up. You're just a visitor. Just let the preacher preach. Um, so, yeah, I've had to have, well, there's, you know. Either way, yeah, that was the voice of the day. So, anyhow, you have to know that you're lost, right? You have to know that you're lost. I, um... Many things that I asked my wife the other day, I said, or I told her, I guess. <laughs> You're like, I just got your attention. What'd you tell her? I said, isn't it great to be married to a man whose acts of service is the love language? Because she's very creative. She's amazing. And she's like, we want to paint the house. We want to, we want to paint the house. And so she developed the color. So if you saw the Facebook picture, that's actually her color. Like she invented the color and it's amazing. Um, it's really, really pretty. I love it, but I know what it takes because I painted houses professionally, and I'm looking at my house going, this is going to be a long time. Like, the good news is I can do it in sections, right? And so that's one of the things that I do. Um, I like to rebuild engines. If you watch our Facebook, me and my son, we build motocross bikes, and I love doing that. But there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a talent I have you don't know about. I am also an expert at labor and delivery. You didn't know that, did you? Okay. I have probably delivered about 60 to 100 puppies, little so tiny puppies, all right? And we used to breed dogs. We started out with a Bichon, right, babe? And then a Havanese and Yorkies, so man-sized dogs. Um, not they, because let me tell you something about big dogs. They can just push those suckers out. But a little tiny dog has a hard time pushing out a little tiny dog. And so, um, so I am confident that ever, if the need ever arose, I could deliver a human child, no problem. No problem. I have no problem with blood and stuff. It doesn't phase me. I could do it. I know contractions. I know when to push. I mean, it's not that I want to, but I could. Like, I could do it. Totally. I'd be like, no, I've delivered 60, 70 puppies. I mean, we can do this. Um, could do this. But one thing that my wife and I will tell you is, is we know when the dog is ready to have babies. Like they start digging around, they start acting weird. And she will also tell you this, is they usually do it when you're about ready to go to bed. And it's like, no, just hold it in, come on. And the dog's like, no. And we see the water breaks and you're like, no. And you're like, I'm tired and I got to go to work in the morning. So then you're up. And I remember the nights where, you know, the first one would come out usually pretty hard. And I would, I mean, I've done breach. I've done, I've pulled the little legs out. And I'm, okay, ready, push. I'm talking to the dog as if it can understand me. And I'm like, got the gloves on and the lights. And I mean, I'm looking pro. Like got the headlamp on. I know what's up, okay. So little dogs have a hard time delivering but back to the timing, most of the time the stinking dog goes into labor at night. 
And then we're like, why did we, why are we even doing this? This is dumb, right? Other than you make about a lot of money, okay, on little tiny dogs. And so what, what I am doing is introducing you <laughs> the title of the message. And most of our deliveries happened in the darkness. Most of the deliveries happened in darkness. That's the title of the message today is Delivery in the Darkness. Through this story... We're going to see the Gibeonites get attacked by five kings that they used to be allies with. And the call goes out to Joshua. We need help. That We're getting attacked. Can you come and help us? And we'll see that this army traveled all night long okay, to come and help uh, uh, what was an enemy, help them not defeated by their old allies who became the enemy when they became believers in the God of the Israelites. So delivery in the darkness. Here's a question. I want to ask you first, if you know a bridge is out and someone is driving toward their death, what is the loving thing to do? Just to stop them, right? At least to tell them there's the bridge out and if you, you can keep going, but here's what's going to happen if you do. So you can't put feelings over truth when it's life and death. And if ever we needed truth in our world, it's today. Because there's so much lies going on that we just need the truth. And God's word, I'm so glad, never changes, never needs an update. <laughs> the operating system never goes up, needs an update. It stays the same. And so uh, Joshua chapter 10, verse 1 through 5. I'm going to read 1 through 5, and then we'll discuss it, and then we'll go. That's why I said I'm just going to teach today through this. So you ready? All right, because you won't learn if you won't open up your mind to what God wants to say. So Lord, just speak to us today through your word. And I pray, Father, for every person in this place, because we're all going through different things, that you would speak something to us today that we can hold on to. And I love you and give you praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Now, Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had taken Ai and totally destroyed it, and doing to Ai and its king as he had done to Jericho and its king, and that the people of Gibeon had made a treaty of peace with Israel, and were living near them. He and his people were very much alarmed at this because Gibeon was an important city, like one of the royal cities. It was larger than Ai, and all its men were good fighters. So Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, appealed to... Here's some names. If you're, if you're pregnant, you need some kids' names right here. Hoham. Hoham, king of Hebron. Piram, king of Jarmuth. Japhia, king of Lachish. And Debir, king of Eglon. Okay, he appeals to them. He says, come up and help me attack Gibeon. He said, because, okay, that's highlighted in red in my Bible, because it has made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. In other words, all these cities are very immoral, very wicked. And the, the king of Jerusalem says, wait a second, they've defected. Okay, they used to live like us and now they went to the other side. So we're going to go kill them. Not unlike you when you decided to serve Jesus Christ. And quit doing the stupid things you were doing. All of a sudden, you discovered who your friends really were. See, they had no problem with you when you were doing all the immoral, crazy stuff. But as soon as you started to do right, there was a problem. And that's what's going on in this place. Now, Adonai Zinek means, he means king of righteousness. That's his name, or lord of righteousness. Lord of righteousness from the city of Jerusalem, which means city of peace. And he's out to make an example of what happens to those who leave the darkness for light. And what you may notice is that he had the name, Lord of Righteousness. He had the name, but he wasn't living it. And I don't want to be one of those Christians who has the name, but is not representing Jesus the way that we should. Okay, We need to live what we say we believe. Amen. He had the name, but he wasn't believing. As long as you're in darkness, you're accepted by those who live in darkness until you reject the darkness. And again, your true friends will be revealed. you got to remember that the world doesn't hate you. Okay? The, the world hates the Jesus in you. 
And Jesus said, all the world will hate you because of me. When, when you are living in darkness, you're not a threat to the darkness. But as soon as you give your life to Jesus Christ or you stand up for what you believe in, it's a threat to the darkness. So they don't like the Jesus in you. And you have to learn to not take it personally. Worldly people will approve of your evil and your darkness. They'll cheer you on if you come out of the closet and join a pride parade. And they'll cheer you on for thinking, hey, my gender is different than what I was born with. They'll they'll, they'll cheer you on. But as soon as you say, well, wait a second, I love Jesus, you're an instant enemy. Okay, now we got to love those, and I'm not being judgmental or critical. What I'm saying is, is the world has this different view of what you should stand up for. The world says, just stand up for what you believe in, unless it's Jesus, then shut up. Yeah. Okay, it's backwards, all right? You believe what you're going to believe, okay? And as Christians, we're to love everybody, right? But certain behaviors will kill you. Right. We, have to, we have to be real. This is what the Bible says about things. So we stand up for what we believe in in a loving manner. Because we're not the judge, right? God's a judge. Aren't you glad of that? <clears throat> but we are judge of character. If you have teenagers, you understand what I'm talking about, right? You've got kids that hang, want to hang out with kids that are no good. Okay, you have every right to be a judge of character. Say, no, we don't want this influence, okay? We don't want this influence on you. All right, stand up for what you believe in. Unless it's Jesus, then shut up. Or we'll ban you off Facebook if you talk in a conservative manner. Right? Who, who here has been banned off of Facebook? Anybody? Oh, wow, lots of you. First service was only like two. We have a much more vocal crowd second service, okay? That's good. Um, I have not, and I can't figure out why, because I'm pretty controversial sometimes. I know, I'm not on it as much as, yeah, I post things, but I, you are correct. I, I sit corrected. Um, I'm not on Facebook near as much as some people think I am. I post stuff, and then I forget. My wife would be like, you have all these messages you need to answer. I'm like, I do. That's why I have an amazing wife. She can tell me things like that. Because I will post and forget. I, I call myself the Facebook pyro. Like I'll light a fire on Facebook and then I'll leave it. Forget all about it. There's this raging. I've had that happen. People call me up like, do you know what's being said on Facebook right now because of your post? I'm like, no. Well, you might want to check it. <laughs> I look at it and go, ah, it started a fire. Um, and, and yet Zuckerberg still has not caught, I haven't caught his attention yet. So I need to get a little more controversial, right? No. <laughs> we got to stand up, Okay. And stand out, not fit in. That's what God has called us to do. All right, you're not supposed to fit into the ways of this world. You're not. All right. What I know is that Jesus loves every human on this earth, regardless of their lifestyle, regardless of their gender confusion, regardless of what it is. Jesus loves them. He does. But loving doesn't say, hey, everything's good. Okay, loving I, a lot of times is confrontational. Okay, I'm glad that somebody preached. And again, I grew up in the church, but I do remember at 13 years old, I went to a summer camp, and then this guy preached on hell. In a way that really, I questioned whether I was going there or not. I thought, I want to be sure. So I like hit the altar in front of several hundred kids at Mount Lassen Camp because I wanted to know that I know that I know that I was right with God okay, the moment that I died. All right. You may not feel like you fit in, but I've told you this before. If you don't feel like you fit in, maybe you're in the wrong puzzle. Maybe you're in the wrong puzzle. God has a puzzle for you. And he doesn't want you to live life puzzled. I will tell you that. So here's the story here. Adonai Zedek, Lord of Righteousness, who is not living up to his name, living in the city of peace, which really wasn't that peaceful because they weren't serving God. And they're going to go after Gibeon. Why? Because Gibeon simply decided to go to the right side. They go to the winning side. So my, my point with this whole thing is if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, guys, you are going to get persecuted at some level or another. Okay, it's not going to be an easy road. Not everybody's going to be excited that you decided not to be immoral anymore or lie or cheat or steal or go out in drunken parties. Okay, the, the world doesn't get that. The world doesn't get that. I grew up, and human nature is an interesting thing. 
Um, most of you know I was born in, on, in Hoopa Indian Reservation in Northern California. And when I say Northern California, I mean like almost Oregon border, uh, way up on the Klamath River. And, and there was a couple, a lady, and I'm not going to give the name. She went to our church, you know, serving God. Her husband was an alcoholic pretty severely. Um, great guy, man, just loved him and, and his family. And he was a very nice man, uh, but just drunk all the time. I mean, good worker. And, and they had their marriage issues. And, and I remember the time, I must have been 10 or 11, 12 years old. I remember when he came to the church and he gave his life to Jesus. I mean, just like amazing. Like, wow, he got saved. Amazing thing. And within like a year, they like divorced. And I was like, what? How, how is that? How can you live for God and your husband does it? He finally gets saved and you put up with all his stuff. And then he gets saved and then you leave him. It's like 10 or 12. I'm like, what is up with that? Right? This should change things. And I don't know if they ever got back together again. But I remember being really puzzled of how could you put up with darkness and the darkness becomes light and then you despise it. It just didn't make sense to me. Like some spiritual battle, like maybe she was using his behavior as a reason to feel the way that she did. And now that he's saved, she doesn't have an excuse anymore. You know anybody like that? They want to use you as their excuse for, to be angry. Like they're angry and their life stinks because, and it's your fault because of how you're, whatever it is that you're doing. You know, happiness is kind of up to you and so is your anger. So is your anger. You've got to control your anger. My wife and I had a good conversation this morning about my road rage on Eagle Road. And uh, I, said, I said, I don't have road rage. I have road annoyance. Like you've never been married to an angry man, babe. You don't really know what rage is. I can show you what rage is. All right. Uh, rage doesn't live in me, but she was, we were having this friendly, loving marital conversation about where I needed to change. And I'm agreeing. Like I do get, an, I do get annoyed. I, you know, Eagle Road gets me. And, uh, and we went on a date the other night at Texas Roadhouse and, 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 and I'm driving and I'm like, okay, just be calm. Cause and then we hit a roadblock and we had to turn this way. Then we hit another roadblock and I'm making this big old S all the way. And I was like, I made a bad decision. I got behind slow people. She's just sitting there laughing, like, just chill out, bro. Like, I know, but they're going five under, like, and I'm hungry. And I'm always, we got to get, so I'm, I have to change my thinking. It's a date, not a mission. Curtis, it's not a mission, right? Curtis, it's not a mission. It's a date. And Anybody, you know what I'm talking about? It's like I have objectives. Like if, you know, I've never been in the military, but I do enough reading. There's objectives. Like, okay, we're going to take this city. Then we're going to take this crossroad. I look at a date like that and it's terrible. It's terrible. And I'm even packing, man. I'm like, it's just like, I got to get there, you know. And, and then we got there and everything was cool. Okay. And then I had to fight my way back. <laughs> It's kind of like we go out on the wire in Iraq, you know, and I'm like, it's like, that's, and I know I, I'm not comparing myself to a combat vet because I'm not, but in my brain, it's like, I got to get there, we got to eat, and then we got to get back, and it's terrible. Ladies, pray for me. Pray, actually, pray for my wife because she has to put up with this. So I have to make a confession, okay? So after our conversation this morning of my road rage, which is a road annoyance, I don't get angry, I don't flash weapons and get out fight. So this morning... <laughs> This morning, I'm driving to church. I'm coming out Highway 69. There ain't nobody on the road, right? I'm just driving along. And I, I'm in the left lane because I got to turn on Deer Flat because I think ahead. And so I'm going down, and I see this guy pull out a Taco Bell. And it's in a black, I'm not going to name who it is, but it's a black truck, Dodge Diesel with no tailgate. Um, and, and they're in the, the lane, and I'm coming. I'm going 55, and they pull in front of me. And, and then they're slow. They're like going 35, and I'm like, bro. Man of God going to church, get out of my way. Like, you know, 
And, uh, and then they did something that young people do. Yeah, where they're in fourth or fifth gear in their diesel and they smoked me out. Like smoke scream. And I'm driving through the diesel smoke and I'm going, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. Okay, we get to Deer Flat. Still going a little slow. I get in the turn lane. He gets in the turn lane. Now I just revealed gender. And, uh, and, and then they go a little bit slower and the light turns yellow and they go through it and I miss the light. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, I just had a conversation with my wife and I'm not angry. So this is a victory, babe. It was all for you. I am working on it, right? I didn't lose my salvation. I actually worked on it and God's using you to help me change. But isn't it funny how when something gets revealed, you get tested on it pretty fast, right? The Gibeonites are about to get tested on their decision, okay? I go somewhere with my stories most of the time. They're getting tested on their decision. They just decided to defect from evil to join the light, and now the evil is coming against them. So just because you give your life to Christ doesn't make it easy, People will challenge your faith. People will challenge your decision, okay? So the Gibeonites submit themselves, and now they're calling on those who they submitted to for help. So here's the rest of the story, all right? Verse 6. The Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal, Do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us. Help us, because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all his best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid. The Lord tells him that a lot. For I have given them into your hand. Why, does, why would God tell them don't be afraid? Because it's scary. It's not a cakewalk. It's going to be a scary thing. He says, not one of them will be able to withstand you. After an all-night march from Gilgal, get that, all-night march? There's about to be delivery in the darkness. Joshua took them by surprise. The Lord threw them into a confusion before Israel, who defeated them in a great victory at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road, going up to Beth Haran, and cut them down all the way to Azekah and Makeda. As they fled before Israel on the road, down from Beth Haran to Azekah, the Lord, this is the best. If you don't know this story, don't ever tell me the Old Testament is boring. God kills a bunch of enemy with hailstones. Like, this is just cool, right? They're chopping everybody. They're throwing, you know, spears and shooting arrows. And then God says, wait, watch this. Large hailstones. The Lord hurled. (laughs) I like that. The Lord hurled large hailstones down on them from the sky. And more of them died from the hailstones than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. (laughs) God invented carpet bombing. I like this. Just boom, just destroyed them. And on the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, this happened before this part of the story. He's going backwards now. Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, O sun, stand still over Gibeon, O moon, over the valley of Ajilon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself as enemies. God actually stopped the rotation of the earth for a full day and the sun shone on this. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down for a full day. There's never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a man. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Then Joshua returned with all Israel to the camp at Gilgal. Now let's, let's talk about this. 
All right. Again, the Gibeonites had submitted themselves to the God of Israel, and now they know who to go to. Okay, now we're going to see the significance of their decision to submit. They will not have to fight this battle alone. And this is a parallel to our walk with God. That when we submit our, our lives to Christ, he helps us fight the battles. He doesn't fight them all for us. But he helps us fight the battles. We have a church family now that we can walk through life together because everybody's going through something. Okay, you, that's what you got to think about. Every person I see, a lot of times, like on the road, I'll think, man, they're dealing with something in their life. Stoplights, a lot of times, I'll just pray for people. Like, Lord, they're going through something hard. They're going through something that maybe nobody else knows about, but they're going through something. Just bless them, whatever it is they're facing. Just be with them. Give them strength. Let them know your peace. And these guys here, again, they, they allied with the right people, but they're still having enemies come against them. God is now on your side, and he will fight for you. And although it's dark, help is on the way. And God reassures Joshua again, I will help you fight this battle. And here's the bonus, Joshua. Those five kings that you were going to have to go to city to city to destroy, they're all going to be in one spot. I'm going to make this easy for you. You're going to be able to take care of business right in one location. It's going to be great. You still have to fight, but God is going to make this easier on you. And again, verse 9, it's important. Don't miss it. It's an all-night march. Night, okay, all night. It's dark. They're marching. And I want you to, to understand that help was coming even though Gibeon couldn't see it. And I believe the same in your life. Even when you can't see it, you have to know that God is fighting for you. Amen. You are his child. Okay? And as a parent, especially, you understand this concept that as a parent, we will fight for our kids. We will do anything to help them. You know, if they're in trouble, we do what we can to help them. And there are many times in our lives that all we have to hold on to are the promises of God. You see, I don't think the Gibeonites knew that Israel was coming. I know they sent a, a runner out like, hey, we need help. But they didn't have a GPS tracking system to know where Blue Force was. <laughs> to go, okay, they're on, they're on their way, guys. Oh, here it is on the computer. Or, or a text message, <laughs> just walking over the ridge, all right? All, all they knew was it's dark and we hope that help is coming. We hope. We don't know for sure. They said they were. Okay, the, 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 the delivery guy came back. He goes, hey, they said they were going to come, but who knows? We did deceive them. Like we did, we were pretty tricksy in how we came into this relationship. Do you think they'll come? But help was coming, even though they couldn't see it. Just because you can't see God's hand doesn't mean it's not there. Amen. Right? We live by sight, not by faith, right? Is that what the Bible says? What's it say? We live by what? We live by faith, not by sight, not by what we see. Again, there is delivery in the darkness, the very ones they submitted to are the very ones that are on the way to help them. And I want to paint a picture here that Gibeon is now surrounded by who used to be their allies. They're surrounded by five kings that hate them, that want to kill them, want to destroy them. Why? It's because they simply defected. They've simply went to the light instead of darkness. They went to the God of Israel instead of staying in an immoral society. They made a decision. But I want you to think about the people of Gibeon because I think human nature is pretty much the same as it has been since people were invented. We still want what we can't have and we do things we shouldn't do. I want to go through maybe what some of the people of Gibeon were thinking. Number one is, are they coming? I mean, the king, king you, you, know, you, you were the one that made this decision to follow Israel. And, okay, so are they coming to help us? And then you had those people who were saying, maybe we shouldn't have made this deal with God because now we're surrounded by the people that never bothered us before. Questioning, and maybe you have made that question in your life to say, I gave my life to Christ, but man, it's hard. Is it even worth it? Yes. Well, let me tell you something. The moment you die and take your last breath and you enter into the presence of God, absolutely, you're going to know it was worth it. 
Absolutely. No question. I think that time is more soon than it is later. I think our, I think our world is spinning closer and closer toward, toward Jesus coming back, and I'm okay with that. Right, because it's going a little crazy. But, but again, human nature, we've got to think about these conversations as they're eating. And the wife is asking the husband, do you think we should have made that treaty? Do you think the king should have made that treaty? And I don't know, babe, because, boy, we, everything was cool until we made the treaty. And now all of a sudden we have these kings. But, you know, they were supposed to come and kill us if, if we didn't make the treaty. So it's like stuck in a, a rock in a hard place. We don't know which way, to do, which way to go. And I think they're probably questioning this, questioning the king's decision. Do you think he did what was right? We've, we've, we've wrestled with this, haven't we? Is serving God really is, is living what the Bible says really good for me? Yeah, we know that, but, but I'm sure catching a lot of flack. People don't like my walk with God. They don't like the fact that I'm a Christian. And then I got to think about the Israelites. What were they thinking? If we, you go back in the story, if you hear when I talk about the message, when the Gibeonites came and deceived the Israelites, saying, we're from a long ways away, and they weren't, it says that the army of Israel were actually mad. They were like, we should just kill them anyway. Like, they deceived us, man. We should just kill them. They didn't even like these people. And Joshua said, no, we made a promise. Yeah, we were deceived, but we made a promise. And we have to honor the promise. We have to honor God by keeping the promise to them. So I want you to think about the Israelite side. You have a bunch of really good fighters that are still mad that they got deceived with the whole thing. And now they've, they've, they went... All day long, and they get this word, hey, saddle up. We're going out to help the Gibeonites. How many of the Israelite army are going, what are you talking What? We got to march all night long to go rescue people that deceived us, people that we didn't even like in the first place? And Joshua was like, yes. They're like, Ugh, we should have just killed them back there, right? Now, because if you're in the military, was there ever a grumbling like when you went to war? Just a question. Okay, never. No, no grumbling at all. Um, it was just, sir, yes, sir, 3 a.m. It didn't matter, right? Whatever you want, sir. Yeah. A little bit of grumbling, human nature. What you may not know, because I didn't until I studied the geography in this, is this a 25-mile hike from Gilgal to Gibeon. 25 miles. And not only that, there's a 4,000-foot climb in elevation. Okay. So Bogus Basin is about 3,500 feet above Boise. So we're talking 25-mile hike uphill. Okay. Not only did they lose their night's sleep, they're walking in full battle gear uphill for 25 miles. Zero grumbling and complaining. They're like, we love war. We can't wait. This is great. No sleep. It's going to be so much fun. No, th- these, I think these guys are grumbling and going, we're, we're doing this to save a people who deceived their way into a relationship? Be like, yeah, that's my marriage. They deceived me into the relationship. Um, not me personally, okay. I just want to make sure it's clear. All right, I love my wife. I love my marriage. But I can see what's going on. Because, guys, can't we see human nature here? Like, this things we're, we're marching all night long to save the people we don't even like that deceived us in the first place. And now we just got to follow our commander because that's what he said to do. Uh, it, it's not convenient. Now we're on our way to save them, and it's not convenient. And I will tell you, this is sometimes life is about overriding your own feelings Amen. about things and just doing what's right. Just doing what's right. God, I know what your word says. I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it because your word, what your word says. And I think God says, you know what? I can respect that. I can respect that. God knows our emotions. He knows what we go through. So my challenge here is to keep your promises even when it costs you. Keep your promises even when it costs you. See, an uphill hike all night long in order to fight all day, because remember, the sun's going to stand still, so they've been up for a long time, 
up all day, march all night, fight all day. The sun stands still. They don't even get a reprieve from that. I'm sure some of them were like, man, it's noon. Just a couple more hours of fighting and everything's going to be cool. And the sun, it's still noon. (laughs) Hey, Bubba, wasn't the sun there like two hours ago? Because I can't think of any cool Israelite names right now. Um, And he's looking at him going, yeah, sundial, same spot, all right? Three, four hours later, it's in the same spot. They're probably going, what's going on, right? What's happening here? And then there's guys that are like, wait, Joshua, didn't you say God gave us the victory already? Yeah. Then why do we have to walk 25 miles uphill? Why can't he just destroy him like he did Jericho? And Joshua's probably like, oh, because God doesn't do the same thing twice. <laughs> just, just talking, just human nature. That's not a scripture verse. This is probably, this is, I don't know what God's doing, but he just said, don't be afraid. And, and, and God, why, why can't it just be easy? If you gave it to me, Lord, why can't I just be can, can you, Lord, can you just open up the gift for me? Just open up there. I know you gave me the gift. Can you just open it for me so I don't have to do any work? Most of the time God says no, but that's human nature. God, can't it just be easy? Can't you do it for me? You see, it's so easy to read the story in just a few minutes about this great victory, but fail to see the details, the important details of what it takes to get a victory. Even though God gave victory, they still had to march 25 miles at night, uphill, 4,000 foot in elevation, to fight an army they didn't really want to fight, but they needed to fight, and to save a people that they didn't really like in the first place. Does that feel like life sometimes? Like sometimes you're, all, you're all working for people you don't even like. And if my staff says, amen, you all fired. Um, (laughs) So God is sovereign, but man is still responsible to do his part. And the enemy here was taken by surprise. Again, whoever is coming, get this, whoever's coming against you right now is not going to get away with it. Because they're messing with God's kid. I know my God and I know parenting and we're made in the image of God. And and we made the image of God. We had that conversation this morning. And uh, my wife is amazing because she's made in the image of God. And then I said, but God is more male in gender, not female. And she's like, quit overthinking everything. Um, I do that, huh, babe? I overthink things all the time. But at least I think. That's questionable, right? <laughs> That's questionable too. So, so we were made in the image of God. And, and because God loves his kids and because we love our kids, we're going to fight for them. We're going to do what it takes to, to see victory in their life. Sometimes that's even telling them no. Okay, there's, again, love doesn't always say yes. Sometimes love has to say no. So you do your part and let God do the rest. And I know this about Gibeon just because, again, they had no way of knowing for sure if help was coming. But I can tell you this, the five kings didn't know what was coming. And that person or those people that are against you today, they're fighting against you as a Christian, as God's child, and they're not serving God. They're coming against you. They don't know what's coming. There's battles that you don't have to fight. Why? Because God will fight them for you. So some of you need to quit fighting the battles that you're not intended to fight and let God take it over because God knows how to get them back more than you do. God always rescues those who follow him. But then again, the story gets better. Somehow God confused the enemy. It doesn't say what happened. There's other stories in the Bible um, that the same thing happened, that the enemies actually begin to fight amongst themselves. Like, we don't know how that happens, but we know that you, know, you get two armies together and they're going to fight one common enemy. And one guy goes, dude, I hate your, your shield looks like the shield of a woman. 
Like, did you, did you get that from an Amazon woman? Is that where you got that? He's like, no, I got it from Amazon. But, all right. And there's some little thing that somebody said that offended the other guy. And then they started fighting. So you got two guys. They start fighting. And then all, they, everybody's joining in to fight the guy because they're defending their own. And you read it in the Bible. They start, they start fighting each other. And Israel's going, wait, we're supposed to be fighting you. And we're watching you kill each other. God knows what he's doing, people. Right? God knows what he's doing in this world. You will see people turn on each other and God confused them. And we don't know how he confused them, but he confused them. And then Israel began to pursue them and they would see a great victory. Israel started pursuing them. And here's again, something you may not know geographically. Okay. They went to Beth Haran. That was basically the summit. And it says, then they cut them down all the way to Azekah and Makeda. Well, in this geography, there's an 800 foot elevation and drop and it's tiered. There's like plateaus. So the Israelite are coming, goes over the top and the bad guys start running down in these tiers of elevation and, and they start just cutting them down. And now all of a sudden it was a downhill victory and they're fighting and they're doing everything that they need to do to destroy the enemy. And then God says, watch this. <laughs> just hailstones. And when Chris and I were talking, how big were they? Were they golf ball? Were they baseball size? You know, I think because God is male and gender, they were probably the size of basketballs because we go big, right? And, and, and not only that, is God's a real good shot with hailstones because not one of the good guys got hit or killed. And it said that more of the enemy got killed by hailstones than by the swords. So all of a sudden, we're marching uphill, 25 miles in the dark, 4,000 foot of elevation to save a people we don't even like. And now we're on the downhill victory, seeing God destroy them with hailstones. And all the men were like, yeah, was it worth it? Yeah, no, we're complaining. Now we didn't talk about the uphill battle anymore. Now we're talking about what God just did because they never saw this happen before. I'd be a little excited about that. Like just boom, 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 boom. And it would have been loud because we know what hailstones sound like when they hit. And imagine as they're going back to Gilgal going, that was the best battle ever. Who cares? We walked uphill 25 miles, 4,000 miles. It doesn't matter. We saw something amazing. Here's what I know. Life may be hard right now, but the moment you take your last breath on this earth and you go into the presence of God, you are not going to remember any uphill battles that you face, church. We're going to be like, it was worth it, yeah. And then you're going to be up and you'll be like, God, can you do the hell thing again? Because there's still people on the earth that don't like you. We're going to come back on horses. I mean, we might get to see carpet bombing all over because the end times goes crazy. It goes crazy. That's what we have to look forward to. Guys, life on this earth may not get better, but the moment you breathe your last here and you're in glory, all this stuff's going to be forgotten. And I'm here to tell you just to keep going. There's delivery in the darkness. There's delivery when you can't see it. God is on your side. He is. He is on your side. Now, if you're doing stupid stuff, quit. Like if you're living in sin, stop. Repent and get right with Jesus, okay? Because you got to do your part first, all right? You got to do the part that God wants you to do. And then, you know, we're going to fight sin to the day we die. Scott and I, we have these conversations all the time. The old man is always there. It's just a battle. Okay, heaven is dealt with, but now we just fight the battle. We fight. And some of those things you will battle to the day you die. What God is proud of you for doing is just continuing to fight it. Okay? Some of you will fight addiction. Some of you will fight things that you don't want to fight. But God says, you know, just hang in there. Keep going. Get up when you fall. Get right with me again and just keep going. Because life is all about battling. You do your part, God will do his. All right, let's close this. This world, I believe, is on a collision course with reality. Like the five kings 
who had no idea what was coming. This world, this ungodly world, has no idea what's coming. They think they know what's coming. They think Christians are the biggest problem, but I will tell you, we're not. God never loses. No enemy of God ever gets away with it. So no matter what you see with your eyes, you will be delivered in the darkness. Why? Because we live by what? By faith, not sight. You have to believe that God is who he says he is and that he's going to do what he said he would do. That's what gets you through the dark times in your life. Sometimes all you have is the promises of God. That's why you need to be in his word and you're in church. That's where you need to be going through your stuff. So don't be surprised that this world is getting crazier because the Bible says in the end times it gets crazier. It says diseases and pestilences. We see the COVID thing. We see the variant. We see all this. Well, the Bible says in the end times that stuff's going to increase. So we can't be surprised by it. God is not surprised by the things going on in this world. Don't be surprised because the darkness hates the light. I will tell you this, there is no spiritual progress without spiritual warfare. Don't be surprised by the battles. Don't be surprised by the battles. You don't have to like them, but you do need to get through them. You don't have to like it. You don't have to like hard times. You don't, you, you don't lie to God and go, yeah, God, this is great. You're teaching me. You're growing me. This is fun. No, there's times that we're marching that uphill battle 25 miles in the dark and 4,000 foot, and we're just grumbling and complaining, and God says, yeah, I feel you. <laughs> I, know, I know you don't like it, but it's okay. You're still walking. You're still walking. That's the important thing. Remember, this army continued to walk even though they didn't like it. Our job is to continue to walk even though we don't like it. So you're going to fight something. Okay, and you may as well be on the winning team. And one thing I've learned in life is you're either on the winning team or the whining team. Sometimes I go back and forth, right? <laughs> Sometimes I go back and forth. I want to be on the winning team, not the whining team. There are no great victories without scars, so stay in the fight. Again, there was probably complaints going up the hill, right? No complaining after seeing the hillstones and what God did. I think it was a shout of victory, and I think they had a pretty great march back. They were exhausted, but they were like, look what our God can do. Amen. He can destroy an enemy with hailstones. Five kings all gathered in one place. God will use the enemy's schemes against them. I added something to my notes, um, just handwritten. It's not a slide, but it would have been if I'd have thought about it sooner. So let me read it to you. If you have a pen, write this down. Or your phone. The most memorable victories are often the results of the hardest battles. The most memorable victories are often the results of the hardest battles. So if you're facing a hard battle right now, you just have to believe that it's going to also be the greatest memory. Because I will guarantee you from years to come, the people that fought that battle, that saw God do what he did with the hailstones, told the story to their kids. I mean, it got put in the Bible, right? It was like, this is significant. That God used something like hailstones to bring down an enemy. And God is not afraid of what you're fighting today. He's not afraid. He's on your side. Some of you need to tell yourself that. Like God's, he's on my side. And there's delivery in the what? In the darkness. Delivery in the darkness. Amen. Hey, is it cool if I close early? All right. But there's something we've got to deal with first. And that is this. Are you right with Jesus today? Because I end every service with this, guys. It's a heaven and hell thing. I don't want you to just leave here just inspired. But I, if you're here today, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You need to know that when you take your last breath is the decision you make. It's heaven or hell. There's no in between. And your decision to reject God means that you pay for your own sins for eternity in hell. I take that very serious. The Bible is very clear about that. But there's a way out. And all you have to do is ask Jesus to take your sins from you. 
And it's an instant delivery. Amen. So if you would bow your heads with me, I just would just take a few moments here. I'm not here to pressure you or anything. It's just offering you. Are you right with God today? If so, keep battling. But if you're not, if you've never experienced the forgiveness and the love that God can give you, because you need to understand that God loves you. He knows the deepest, darkest sins you've committed. He knows your past. He knows everything about you. And he still wants you on his team. That's what he wants. He wants you on his team. He loves you. He just wants you to come home. And if you need to make that decision today, I'm just going to have you just, just quickly slip your hand up. Say, Stan, that's me. I, I need to give my life to Christ. Okay, so we had some first services or anybody second services needs to make that decision. Again, I'm not going to prod and pull. That's not my job. My job is to present it. And if you want it, you just lift your hand up and we'll pray with you. Okay. All right. Don't see any hands. I hope that means we all go out. If the rapture happened right now, there'd be nobody here to lock the doors. Amen. You can look up at me. And let me tell you something. If it's something you're pondering, like I didn't want to raise my hand or I kind of did, but I'm not sure. You can pray that prayer at home. But I would tell you is don't wait long. Okay. We're not guaranteed our next breath. It's a simple prayer. It's simply saying, Jesus, I, I, I ask you to forgive me my sins. I believe that you died for me and I need you to save me from my sins. Something like that. Okay, just repenting of your sins and asking Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. There's no little formula where you get to heaven and God said, oh, you missed the word. Technicality, sorry. Okay. No, it's just, Jesus, please forgive me. I want, to, I want to serve you. That's what God is looking for. And that's what we're all about as a church. Amen. Amen. And we're going to see as we baptize some people today that give their lives to Christ. It's just a public expression of, of I'm a Christian now. Amen. This help anybody? I hope it did. Help me. Amen. Love you all.